On today's episode, we elucidate the origin of some enigmatic rays and shine a light on the life of a man who was first to discover them. Maybe. There's a rare isotope of hydrogen that gets us into heavy water. Loves a chemical reaction in the brain So let me be your Bunsen burner Let me be your naked flame burn, baby, burn. Let me be your Bunsen burner burn, baby, burn. Let me be your naked flame Welcome to Light Your Bunsen Burner, the science history podcast that lights up your mind. I am Mariela Rosas, and radiating beams of unknown origin before me is the fluorescent. I am the Jonah Vega from the Germany. Yes, Jonah's going to be doing this entire podcast in a German accent. And I suck at it, so enjoy. <laughs> we apologize in advance for that. So anyways, thank you for joining us today. We have a really great show for you. I'm hoping it will maybe expose you to some new information. Maybe you'll be able to see science in a new light. It might also be the first time you learn some of this information. So a fair warming, warning, though, you're going to need your safety goggles and maybe a lead-lined suit. Where are we going? What are we doing? Ooh, all right, Jonah. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had a broken bone? No. Have you had any fractures? You're no, I'm amazing. amazing. You're indestructible. I am. Lorenzo <laughs> wrote a song about me. <laughs> How about, have you had any dental work? Unfortunately, yes. Or just dental work? Have yes. you had tuberculosis? Um, I think I do, but my parents <laughs> never got me tested, even though I swore up and down still to this day I have it, yes. And also, have you been to, through the TSA line? Oh, yes, airport? I have. Everyone has. Oh, yeah. It's a fun line. So, Jonah, do you have any idea what all these things have in common? Besides me? Besides you, because you've done all of the... No, well, you've no. never had a broken bone, so that um, rules you out. I had to assume x-ray. Yes, yes. These all are done through x-rays. So most people have had an x-ray taken in their lives. Usually it's for a broken bone or for some dentist, dentist, oh my God, dentistry <laughs> or for some dentist, oh shit, the, 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 the dentistry or some dentistry, Jesus. So now could you imagine how much guesswork would have to go into setting a broken bone without x-rays or how much more frisking and rummage through luggage there would be at the airport without any x-rays. Indeed, x-rays were one of the giant leaps forward in medical science. One giant leap for mankind? One small very, step? One forward. giant <laughs> leap, one very small ray. Okay. <laughs> Adam Ray? Yeah. Um, so, and like... You know, like the search for cancer cures. Uh, you might be thinking that some very enterprising individual took it upon themselves to find a way to visualize the inner workings of the human body without having to resort to vivisection. And that is definitely 100% most assuredly not the case. But we like vivisection. I don't like cutting people open. But it's interesting and you learn. But what about That's... the screaming? Oh, sedatum. <laughs> well, the, then it's... Oh. I mean, I guess they're still alive. That's just surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just wanted to say the word sedated. 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 God, I'm terrible. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was discovered completely by accident, and a surprising number of discoveries and inventions were really just stumbled upon while a researcher was working on something completely different. Interesting. And, obviously, x-rays were one of these discoveries. So, I want to start off by kind of explaining exactly what what x-rays are. So, Jonah, do you want to take a guess as to what they are? Yes, I would love to take a guess at what Don't cheat. <laughs> Honestly, um, without reading into it and all that, I just always imagine a radioactive photograph. Okay. okay. Um, where they just tear certain, I don't know, atoms and molecules and cells apart in your body to see other molecules, cells, and atoms in your body, pretty okay. much. Okay. Um, kind of close, a little bit different. Um, X-rays are actually a form of electromagnetic radiation that is formed when high-velocity electrons collide with a metal target. Interesting. So basically you're shooting electrons at metal, and it mm. shoots off X-rays. They're mm. photons, so they're like light particles that also move in a wave. Um, kind of like when get- you take that picture and then move and you see the shadow type of deal. Like in San Francisco at the Exploratorium and all that? No? Nothing like that? I don't know. It's it's not ringing a bell. Okay. Um, Yeah, so basically in an atom, electrons move around the nucleus in specific orbits, right? So those are called their orbitals. So when the beam of electrons hits a metal atom, sometimes electrons from an inner orbit, so closer to the nucleus, get knocked out of their place. And then electrons from outer orbitals then move in to fill that space. This causes X-ray photons to be released in all directions. So it's basically like a subatomic particle that is shooting out once the when electrons have to go from a a higher orbital to an inner orbital. Okay. If that makes sense. It does. Okay, good. Outer and inner (laughs) orbital, and it needs to penetrate it. And then, yes, beams are penetrated. Okay. There's penetration, and then there's As discharge. In <laughs> As in most science. Yes. Every science has penetration. And on that note, there are two types of x-rays. There are soft x-rays, and then there are hard x-rays. I'm sure that's where that penetration comes in, right? And you know what the difference is? <laughs> the size of their wavelengths. Oh, Okay. But you know what they say about size. Well, you know, some x-rays are growers, not showers. So, <laughs> Exactly. Um, so soft x-rays are actually the bigger ones. They're, they're wavelengths at around uh, 10 nanometers, while hard x-rays are much shorter at about 100 picometers, which a picometer is about one trillionth of a meter. So they're obviously, they're being hard because they have to overcompensate. Oh, obviously. <laughs> I mean, they're huge already, so... They're teeny tiny. <laughs> I know. <clears throat> it's... Some x-rays prefer the teeny tiny more exotic. <laughs> you know, that the trillionth of a... The trillionth of, of a, a meter. you know. 
So now x-ray radiographs or x-ray images, which are what people usually think of when we're thinking of x-rays, those are produced by exposing film or another type of detector to x-rays with a desired body part on top. The x-rays can easily penetrate soft tissue. That, see, penetration again. <laughs> yep. They can penetrate soft tissue. <laughs> on any part of that body. <laughs> but they are blocked by a bone. <laughs> the the So film exposed to x-rays will darken, leaving behind a shadow graph of the bone structure. You can apply the same co- concept to luggage running under an x-ray machine at the air- airport as well. And um, the shadow graph, that's what I was to, referring mm-hmm. to earlier. Yeah, the whole yeah. Exploratorium in San Francisco and all that. So it's a fun little room where... Um, they shadow graph you. Oh. Yeah, and then you just do whatever you want. And then after the lights go off, you get to look at the walls and see what everyone was doing. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot That fun. sounds fun. Yeah. Kids, go to Exploratorium. San you should. It's fun. <laughs> so it was really the effect that x-rays have on photographic film that prompted their discovery. So let's talk about a German man named Wilhelm Conrad Röntgen. Wilhelm Conrad Röntgen. Rentgen. Rentgen. Oh, man. Try saying that a couple times. Huh? Wilhelm. <laughs> I will be calling him Wilhelm the entire time. Wilhelm. Wilhelm. Aw. That's cute. In some sources, they called him Willie. Okay. <laughs> I can dig it. I like I like Wilhelm. Willie. Wilhelm. <laughs> okay. So, our buddy Wilhelm was born on March 27th, 1845 in Lenape, Prussia. And this is an area that is now Remscheid, Germany. Um, and I just really want to point out, if, Jonah, you want to look up a picture of this guy, you'll see that he has a very robust beard. If you're going to go for a full beard, I suggest you take after this guy. I got a pretty good beard. I'm going to have to check this out. I think it's pretty close to your beard, or your beard is pretty close to his. I think he just has, like, a fuller, kind of, like, the side thing. Oh, this dude's awesome. He his beard looks exactly like mine. Um, <laughs> he dresses how I like to dress when I go to the horse track races, and uh, he's got a much nicer head of hair than I do. Um, he's got a very stern and serious look, like mm-hmm. like, like he wants to school you and then go get drunk. You know, like he's German. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um... He was the only child of Friedrich Conrad Rencon and Charlotte Constance. So his parents were pretty well off uh, because his dad was a wealthy um, cloth merchant. Now, when he was about three years old, his his family moved to Appledorn in the Netherlands, and that's where he grew up. Um, But he also went to boarding school, so they kind of sent him off as a little kid for a bit. So I guess he wasn't a very beloved child. (laughs) Um, although I think his parents actually did care because later on, you know, they, they really support him throughout his education and they push sent him. him to school, no one else. So. He was the only kid. He was like their only child. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, then they had no choice. They had no choice. They had to. <laughs> like, shit, we have the one kid. We better send him off to boarding school. Let us live our life. <laughs> exactly. Give him education while we live. While we live. No, but they were really supportive of him. So now Wilhelm wasn't particularly... He didn't really stand out. So as the Nobel Prize website describes young Wilhelm, have I been calling him William? Yes, you have. Fuck. Anyways, so as the Nobel Prize website describes young Wilhelm, um, he's described like this. 
quote, he did not show any special aptitude, but showed a love of nature and was fond of roaming in the open country and forests. So Wilhelm did not give a fuck. Wilhelm did not care. <laughs> he was badass. He did what he wanted to do. He knew he was smart. So he just said, I don't I'm know gonna... if he knew if he was smart. No, he knew. He was just going to travel around the woods and, <laughs> you know, just be smart and do his thing, you know? I just imagine him, like, as a little kid, with already with a full, bo- bo- you know, grown beard, just walking around the woods, hiking around, and not going, like, not doing his schoolwork or anything. Yeah. Um, well, if our presidents were like that. Like? Andrew Johnson, stuff like that. Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> One of, the, one of those motherfuckers. <laughs> I guess that's not a lot, is it? <laughs> and we have one. Just the one. Just the one. Um, yeah, so he didn't really show much promise as a scholar in his youth. And he just wanted to hike around like some sort of hippie. But if you were paying attention, you must have noticed that that quote came from his uh, biography on the Nobel Prize website, meaning that he is a Nobel laureate. So if you're ever feeling discouraged because you're not particularly talented at anything, don't fret because all you really need to do to win a Nobel Prize is accidentally discover an indispensable medical tool. William. Wilhelm. So, but unlike how he's described in his Nobel biography, Wilhelm did have a special aptitude. He had a knack for building mechanical objects and devices, which is kind of a useful skill, really. Yeah. Scientists work with engineers all the time. Even yeah. though they pretend to hate each other, they love each other. Yeah, you, you need the engineers to build shit. Yeah. So now he entered a technical school in 1862, but he was kicked out before graduating when another student drew a caricature of a teacher on a blackboard. And the finger was pointed at Wilhelm, but he actually refused to name the culprit, even though he knew who it, who it, it was. And he was expelled. That's because Wilhelm don't give a fuck. Wilhelm is not a snitch. He's a straight G. Yeah, he knew he would get stitches. Yeah. 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 Or end up in ditches. Yeah. Maybe but he just not didn't want get to be any there. bitches. <laughs> he just didn't want to be there. I think he wanted to be there. <laughs> because this kind of left him in a bit of a pickle. Oh, no. Without essentially a high school degree, he couldn't enroll into Utrecht U- University. He tried to take their oral entrance examination, but the examiner was actually that teacher whose caricature was drawn. So I'm sure you can guess what the result of that examination was. <laughs> and William can't get a break. William cannot. <laughs> but he actually did manage to figure out that he could enter the new Swiss Federal Polytechnic Institute in Zurich if he just passed their examination. And he passed, and he began his undergraduate studies as a mechanical engineer. See? Mechanical engineer. And he had it on. Yeah, eventually he was going to get there. Oh, yeah. And throughout this whole thing, like, his parents are, like, really supportive. They're, like, giving him giving him money to go to try to get into all these schools. And then they're supporting him while he's at Zurich. Um, so he does complete his degree in three years, uh, actually graduating with really top marks. So really? he was at the top of his class. I guess he was pretty smart. Pretty smart. And yeah. goes to show you how much a uh, parent... Um, um, getting your back and you know supporting you can really go a long way. Exactly. So he prepared his dissertation in the studies of gases. His diligence and aptitude made him a favorite of physicist August Kant. Kunt. Kunt? How would you pronounce August Kunt. 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 <laughs> now, uh, Wilhelm, Wilhelm, 
William passed the crowd to Coot, Mickey William. <laughs> so Wilhelm received his PhD in 1869 and was appointed as an assistant to Kundt. When Kundt left Zurich for the new university at Strasbourg in 1872, Wilhelm followed him. Now, Wilhelm met a woman named Anna Bertha Ludwig while he was a student at Zurich. So she was actually the daughter of an innkeeper at his favorite bar, the Green Glass. She was six years older than Wilhelm, but he was very, very smitten with her. Like The way they talk about it is that she was a waitress there and just instantly caught his eye. And then they started kind of going out. And then um, he proposed to her. They were a couple for, for several years before they married in 1872 in an elegant ceremony at Appledorn in his home with his family. So this was like real love and not just free drinks at the Green Glass. Maybe it started off as free drinks. Like I'm going to mm. hook the, the waitress, the daughter of the innkeeper, and I'm just going to be getting all my drinks for free. But I don't see why he would do that because he's wealthy to begin with. Yeah. So yeah. that's true love. He then. just liked her. Oh, William. You had to survive. I don't have a, I didn't find a picture of her. I wonder what she looks like. Hmm. She was probably very beautiful. I'm sure she was. <laughs> maybe, well, she did. She was a waitress at the Green Glass, and so maybe she had that Barbara look you were talking about. Oh, mm. Anna was a Barbara. Mm, Anna to Barbara. <laughs> oh, Barbara Ann. Uh. <laughs> but anyways, I bring her up because she's going to play a role later on in the, in the discovery. Um, so now Wilhelm became a lecturer at Strasbourg in 1874 and then a professor at the Academy of Agriculture in Hohenheim in 1875. And I love that name. Hohenheim? Hohen Hohenheim. 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 And 1875 Hohenheim. What a place to be. What a place to be. <laughs> well, it really wasn't because he was unsatis unsatisfied at Hohenheim, which with a name like Hohenheim, you would think it would be a magical land of beauty and wealth. But, that sounds awesome. Yeah, but the budget for his department was really limited because it was kind of, you know, small. So he couldn't really do all the things that he wanted to. Small budget means not a lot of beer. And now that, you know, Anna's not working at the Green Glass anymore, yeah, where's he going to get his beer? Exactly. He has to wait for Oktoberfest or something? Oh, man, it's so far away. <laughs> <laughs> so when his old mentor, Kunt, supported him for a position at Strasbourg, he eagerly jumped at the chance. So he returned as a professor in physics to Strasbourg in 1876. So now between 1876 and 1879, Wilhelm and Kunt produced several influential papers regarding the heat of gases and the conductivity of crystals, all stuff that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the partnership between Wilhelm and Kunt, what could go wrong? Exactly. I mean, it's the it magic sounds duo. as beautiful as a diamond already. Yeah. <laughs> or a crystal. Or quartz, which is what they were working with. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, not as fancy, but, you know. It's a really, it has a really cool crystalline structure. But okay. anyways. Um, Poor Anna. Yeah. She deserves a diamond. <laughs> well, she does get a diamond, and we'll talk about it later. Oh, I can't wait to hear about it. Um, 
1879, he accepted a position as the chair of physics at the University of Giessen. Giessen? I believe it's I pronounced. Giessen. Yeah. He remained here until 1888 when he took on the position of director of the Institute of Physics at Wurzburg. So for, you know, about 10 years, he's kind of hopping around a lot from different from position to position. And, you know, kind of he was trying to get like the best job possible because when he started out at Strasbourg, he was an unpaid lecturer and a lot of other universities wouldn't really grant someone a professorship for, for a while. So he was just trying to, to social climb a little bit. William has gusto. <laughs> are, we doing, are, we, are we going Italian now? <laughs> I've been all over the world. We're, we're all, over Europe. all over the place. <laughs> just spin that globe and point a finger there. And like do I'll that accent. Talk like them, I guess. Yeah, Australia, <laughs> America a couple times, Uranus. Oh, yeah. What's the Uranian, Uranus accent? That was like? my favorite. <laughs> it's very exotic. Very and... exotic. <laughs> Very froggish. Froggish? Yes. The, like Kermit? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> that rainbow connection. <laughs> um, so now he's at Warsburg. So it's at Warsburg that he begins research into the, into the effects of cathode rays. And cathode rays are beams of electrons that can be observed in a vacuum. So the discharge tubes that were used at the time consisted of a cathode and an anode, which are positive and negative electrodes, respectively, set inside a glass tube with the uh, air partially or completely removed, creating a vacuum. When a strong charge was applied to the tube, tube a visible glow is observed. Um, it's basically a light bulb, kind of. That's what it sounds like, yeah. Yep. Like a fancier light bulb. Okay. But there were many variations on the design of the tubes and the specific metals used as the electrodes, depending on the researcher. So a lot of people kind of made their own. Uh, so there, you know, you'll have like a Crookes tube. Um, Tesla made his own one. They all were kind of building their own thing. Like you can, I mean, they couldn't really go out to the store and buy a light bulb. Okay. So they just make their own. Yeah. Which, that's pretty easy to make. Yeah, it's not hard. Um, I've made them with batteries and a few other things. Fun. Um, A lot of physicists were tinkering with these tubes during the late 1800s. And it kind of may seem a little bit ridiculous that the world's most brilliant scientists were wowed by glowing tubes. But you kind of have to understand that at this time, the composition of the atom was basically unknown. It was the research into the origin of cathode rays that actually led to the theorization and discovery of the electron. But now I digress. So let's get back to Wilhelm. Yes, Wilhelm. So we're back to Wilhelm. Our boy Wilhelm was awestruck by a glowing tube. So now on November 8th, 1895, I switched my numbers and my script. Uh, So on November 8th, 1895, he was working with a discharge tube known as a Crookes tube. Since the tube emitted a glow, he covered it with a black cardboard so all that uh, light would be blocked off. 
But as he worked in his darkened laboratory, he noticed a faint green fluorescence about a meter away from his workbench. He quickly lit a match. He got so excited. And he lit a match to find where the source of, of the glow was coming from. And he found that it was coming from a barium cyanide plate. He experimented by moving the plate farther and farther from the cathode tube and observed that the plate still glowed. So now cathode rays were not known to travel that far. Other people had done similar um, kind of experiments. Um, so this was, for all intents and purposes, a brand new type of ray. And this must have been really fascinating to Wilhelm. Because here was an unknown beam that was penetrating a solid surface. Remember, the cathode tube is covered and affecting object, objects at a distance. So when he was conducting this experiment, he had actually a smaller uh, plate closer to the tube. But he covered the thing. He did the charge. And then he saw that little plate glow. And as right before he was going to turn the lights back on, you know, to do a different experiment, he notices that glow kind of far away. And it's like, just by chance that it happened, mm. that he happened to catch it. And then like, actually go and investigate it. So it was, this event was completely by chance. It's beautiful. It really yeah, is. Yeah. And the thing is, it's dumb like, dumb luck. Like, he wasn't really the first one to observe this phenomenon, but he was the, the one who actually went and investigated it even further, which is a trend that we see over and over again in these discoveries that people actually see it, but they never, like, pursue it. And it's always, like, those people who just have, like, that little brightness in them mm -hmm. that goes and follows the light. And, you know, they're obsessed with that discharge and that penetration once yeah. you get it, and bam. Like discharge, penetration, luck. discharge. You get some discharge, some penetration. You divide that with a little bit of dumb luck, and, man, you got you got quite the experiment, like an x-ray. Yeah. Um, so he was so entranced that he and locked himself away in his laboratory for six weeks, and he would only emerge to eat. So he would have these, like, very silent intense dinners with his wife where he's just trying to quickly eat and then get back to work. Um, so, That's awesome. Yeah. So he, yeah. It he was, really is. He's dedicated. He's mm -hmm. driven. He's. Because this is exciting yes. for him. I'm excited for him as well. Yeah. Go so, Wilhelm. Go Wilhelm. Wilhelm. We love you. We love you, Wilhelm. So, um, uh, yeah, he, he's trying to find the origin of these enigmatic rays. Um, so he experimented with other fluorescent screens, um, objects of different thicknesses, thickness, and composition and photographic film. Finally, he realized that the rays could pass through opaque objects and affect the film underneath. So now he's he's using photographic film and kind of putting stuff in front of it to like kind of uh, because the film is affected by the x-rays and he can make kind of make like an image. So he's uh, this is how he's finding out what the rays can pass through. So he's like that. He's putting like pieces of wood. He's putting different types of metals, and he one, at one point he's you know holding a piece of lead in front of the the cathode, and he notices that on the film his fingers like are being shown, and he can see the bones. Wow. wow. Yeah. So, wow. So that's where he that's realizes the moment it, right there. Yeah. It's like oh shit. There's a whole lot more to this than just like you know they're penetrating you know cardboard. Um, so yeah, he created radiographs of a set of weights, a piece of metal, and then he, he noticed that the outline of his bones were also being photographed. 
And then most eerily, he produced a radiograph of his wife's hand. So this is like the really famous image that when you look up like, you know, the first um, x-ray, this is what you see. And the it consists of a shadowy left hand with the finger bones disturbingly visible as dark imprints on a light background. And prominently displayed on one finger was Anna's wedding ring. Now, was that quartz or was that a diamond? It was a diamond. Ooh, go Anna. So now on December 22nd, 1895, Anna was the first person ever to undergo an x-ray. And when she saw the result, she exclaimed, I have seen my death. Well, that's from all that radiation, probably. Oh, probably. I mean, well, this is the first time anyone has seen, like, I mean, by they know what bones look like from dead people. That's the only time you can see bones. So it's like a photograph dead. of the future. Yeah, it's like, wow. oh, sh- that's that's what's inside me. That's what's going to happen when it's I'm just so, dead. So natural to us. So, you know, I mean, yeah. grew up watching, um, what's that movie called? Total Recall, where there's this. The whole fight scene behind the x-rays. Oh, yeah. I've never watched Total Recall. Oh, that's kind of a good movie. <laughs> You're really selling it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my job to sell Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. It's <laughs> not- he was Austrian. Oh, okay. See, we're making our way around the world. <laughs> I'm hungry for some Chinese next, you know? Um, so now I couldn't find any free source that really described how Wilhelm managed to persuade his wife to be his guinea pig, but I kind of imagine it went something like this. And let me set the scene. In a darkened laboratory, Wilhelm see- is seen feverishly working with a faint glow of a cathode tube at his side. Anna, his forlorn wife, meekly enters. Do you want to be Anna or do you want to be Wilhelm? Mm, I could be Wilhelm. Okay. okay, so I'll be Anna. Wilhelm, my love, you've been working so hard for so many weeks. Come home for dinner. Venna, can't you see I'm in the middle of work? It's amazing. Watch. Give me your hand. Wilhelm takes her hand and gently gives it a kiss. He places it over the photo- photography film and exposes it to x-rays. And then he shows it to her. Wilhelm, what horror is this? I have seen my own death. End scene. Yay! <laughs> we love her. We really love her. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, my loving public. Um, so, yeah, even Wilhelm was actually taken aback by his own discovery. He wanted to make sure he wasn't mistaken in his findings. But the skeletal images he produced solidified his certainty. However, he did not know the nature of the new beams, so he referred to them as X-rays, X, you know, denoting the unknown nature of these rays. And he published his findings in late December of 1895. And then news of this discovery traveled fast. It essentially went viral for that time. The haunting image of Anna's hand was widely printed as proof of the new discovery's capabilities. How awesome. And just his reasoning to mm-hmm. name it X-rays and how it just has stuck this whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's That's just awesome. it's, it's catchy. It's catchy. X-rays. It's eerie. It's dark. It's yeah, horror, it's, it's intelligent. It's everything. That's it's so fitting. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he was even called before Kaiser Wilhelm II to demonstrate his new uh, his new race, and he presented it before the royal court and was awarded a medal for the discovery. So even like the Kaiser is like, I want to see these things. They're so cool. Everyone's talking about these. I want to see them. 
So then he presented his work in January 1896 at the Wurzburg Medical Society, where he astounded his audience by producing a radiograph of an attending anatomist's hand. I like psycho better, but I can the understand why it would be physical. physical. <laughs> so yeah, so in front of all these people, he takes this guy's hand and he creates a radiograph right there. And then this guy... Uh, this anatomist like leads the whole crowd in like a cheer, like hip hip hooray, hip hip hooray, but like in German or whatever. Just add a V to every word and you are now German <laughs> and express your consonants. <laughs> but that is awesome. Yeah. That is, it shows how um, excited everybody yeah, was. People were... Everybody had his back. He was just mm-hmm. ready to roll with this. Well, like, it... It's amazing. Like, people haven't seen something like this before. Um, yeah, his, so he gets a standing ovation, and they propose they rename the rays Red Gun Rays, which doesn't really stick because X-rays is way more catchy. Yeah, I mean, I like And X-rays it's harder better. to say Red Gun Rays. Red Gun. Red Gun. Oh, fuck. <laughs> we'll stick with X-rays. X-rays, good. Okay. Yeah, so then he went on to work at the Institute of Physics in Munich, and he was studying the physical properties of crystals. So he, so he doesn't really, like, stick to x-rays for very long after discovering them. Um, he and his wife then ad- adopted a six, their six-year-old niece, and in 1901, Wilhelm is actually awarded the very, very, very first Nobel Prize in Physics for his discovery of x-rays. Really? So... He's number one, baby. Oh, I love Wilhelm. He's oh, badass. Wilhelm. Yeah. And then he never tried to capitalize on the x-rays. He never filed any patents because he believed that the discovery should be freely shared with the world. Now, unfortunately... Kind of like easy come, easy go? Kind of. It was more like, you know, this is for the benefit of humanity. Okay. Like, everyone should have this. See, William did have a warm heart. A warm heart? I was like, he had a what now? (laughs) (laughs) Probably should have filed some patents. Con some money because after World War One he lost his inheritance. Uh, so he went into bankruptcy, and he spent the remainder of his life in his country home at Wilhelm. 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 Wilhelm, Wilhelm and, is living in Wilhelm. Wilhelm. <laughs> <laughs> I love Wilhelm. Oh, yeah, and he's Anna. super cool. Um. So he died quietly in 1923 from intestinal cancer, and then he was cremated. Oh. So, I mean, he passed away. Okay. Everyone does. He became I mean, he had bones. a great life. Yeah, he, yeah. He, you know, like, after his discovery, he became, like, a worldwide phenomenon, basically. Like, mm-hmm. everyone knew, like, oh, this guy found x-rays. He's super cool. Yeah. Hip, hip, hooray. And he becomes his picture later on. Yeah. And then <laughs> <laughs> he's got a super sick beard, too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then he just, you know, he gets promoted in his work. He gets a really great position, and he stays there for, like, the rest of his career. He retires after his wife dies. Hmm. And, you know, like, the war kind of messed stuff up for everybody, at least the First World War. And then it didn't end up so great for Germany. Okay. Um. So he, you know, he spent, like, the re- his remaining years living kind of quietly and chill. Um. So, I mean, it wasn't overall bad. No, no. I mean, he just died from cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Because of x-rays. X-ray. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Wilhelm received instant praise and was credited with this, the discovery of an anomaly that 
several other scientists had observed, but they had completely ignored. Like there is actually one guy um, who the guy who discovered the electron, he saw the exact same thing happening, uh, like the creation of an image on a photographic film because he was working with a cathode with cathode rays. And then he thought, oh, you know, the, the film's just, you know, spoiled or something or contaminated. I'm just and he took that that um, image and he put it away in his desk. And then three years later, uh, Wilhelm comes out with his discovery and he's like, shit. And then he goes and he pulls out that image and he's like, yeah, <laughs> I yep. could have been the x-ray guy. God damn yeah. it. Well, you but the, you lose. Yeah. That's how and, science works. Yeah. And he's, you know, he, you know, Röntgen wasn't the first guy. And then J.J. Uh, J. Thompson, this other guy, wasn't first either. Like, work with x-rays. As long as, like, that cathode tube was being used People were seeing this phenomenon, yeah. but no one was, you know, kind of clicking were, to yeah. it. They weren't putting then, two, two together. And I'm, I'm kind of glad they that they didn't because then they would have might have been called something completely different. Yeah. And X-rays wouldn't be X-rays. And it would have been capitalized on probably right away. Yeah. You know? William knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. So William <laughs> is our hero of the story. Yep. <laughs> and then now I said that most of these other people didn't really like latch on to that idea except for one person and he might have actually you know beaten uh rent gun wilhelm to actually like writing about it who do you think this is jonah i actually know who this is and i learned this as a kid it was uh tesla yes it was yes, yes it was so um Nikola Tesla is now one of the most famous scientists from this era because he was an inventor. He was, you know, an eccentric. Um, I mean, anyone who's going to be played by David Bowie in a movie has to be crazy cool. David Bowie played him? Yeah. Oh, wow. What movie is this? The Prestige. Really? Yeah. It's like the the one where it's like the dueling illusionist. Yes, I remember this Mm -hmm, one. Okay. mm -hmm. Let's go back and check that out. Yeah. So, and then his his role in the in the competition between Thomas Edison and George Westinghouse during the current wars is really well known. There's also a movie about that. Document everything Tesla does. Yeah, and like make Tesla's it into a like, movie. He's like the. For a long time, he was kind of an unsung hero, and you know we'll definitely have an episode on him because he's a fucking weirdo. In a world where a weirdo can do anything and make a movie out of it. Mm-hmm. You have Tesla. You have Tesla. However, his work on X-rays is kind of a bit more obscure, and I'm really, you know, glad that you actually got to learn about that. Because um, most people don't really, when you think of X-rays, they're not automatically attributed to him. Or like when you go- Google X-rays, it's like maybe like the third or fourth page where it comes up. I learned about this way before Google was around. Oh my God, <laughs> we got a badass over here. Oh yeah, <laughs> I picked up a book one time. <laughs> The, the one and only time and this is the only thing you learn <laughs> i knew i was gonna need it 20 years down the future so um much like uh wilhelm tesla was investigating uh cathode rays and he was using a discharge tube apparatus of his own design um so he kept photographic film in the lab- in the laboratory to use for documentation and now In 1894, he noticed that the film was being damaged by some unknown source. So this is kind of similar to to how Wilhelm discovered his stuff. A little bit different, uh, but kind of like that same vein. So he eventually discovered that the damage was occurring when he was conducting his cathode ray experiments. 
And it's likely that he produced the first x-ray image in the U.S. when he was trying to take a picture of Mark Twain near the cathode tube. So instead of Mark Twain, the image revealed the screw of the camera lens. So basically, like, the x-rays were going, penetrating everything, and you know, except for that screw that was blocking mm -hmm. it. So while he was investigating the new rays, his laboratory caught on fire on March of 1895. So most of his work um, and equipment and papers were lost in the blaze. How devastating. Yeah. So now, if you remember, he's working on this from uh, 1894. Uh, Wilhelm didn't, wasn't working on his stuff until, you know, the fall of 1895. Mm. So he's got a full year on him. Dang. Yeah, and he probably produced um, these radiographs like at the beginning of 95. So did that, maybe that fire set him back. That fire definitely set him back. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he might have just been like gathering more information before he put this out there. I really wanted to say you sneeze, you lose, but that's not the case in this It's one. just like shit. This is just like, tragedy. Just, yeah. Um, so now when Wilhelm published his findings, Tesla actually communicated with him and sent him several of his own radiographs. Uh, Wilhelm was so impressed by the quality of Tesla's work that he wrote back to him saying, quote, Dear sir, you have surprised me tremendously with this, with the beautiful, <laughs> I can't do it. Dear sir, you have surprised me tremendously what with is? the beautiful photographs of this wonderful discharge. And I tell you, thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you very much for that. If only I knew... <laughs> You make such things. Knew how you make it. <laughs> it is so hard to talk that way. Yep. And in, without an accent, he said, Dear sir, you have surprised me tremendously with the beautiful photographs of wonderful discharges. And I tell you, thank you very much for that. If only I knew how you make such things. That was beautiful. The letter, you know, I mean, that was yeah. great that he sent that to him. I, yeah. No, and his, his radiographs were so clean and so pure. There's... One image that I saw, and it was like of a guy of a person's foot in a shoe, and you see, you see, it looks like a modern day X-ray, and you you see like the heel of the shoe and like all the little um, nails that are in there. You see the perfect outline. It's like the wow. profile of the foot. It's they were like incredible, and, and just how they took onto each other. There was no jealousy mm -hmm. or this is my discovery. Yeah. It's like. Look what my data is to help you with your data. Exactly. Let's get this going. Yeah, like Tesla never attempted to, to take credit for the discovery of x-rays, but he did continue to study them and write about them, and he published a lot of like um, information about them. And one thing he was really quick to pick up on was the biological effects of it, that x-rays had. So he was the first one to notice that there was a safety issue uh, with working with x-rays. He described redness and swelling after minor exposure and then hair loss after long exposures. Um, so he advised researchers to limit their time working closely with x-rays to just a few minutes. So like at this time, people are super excited about this. Mm -hmm. And like they're already applying the technique to, you know, like different medical uses. And they don't know that they can the damage. Dangers, yeah. You know. Like I was reading some of like early reports and like there was a guy who like you know, was exposed to x-rays to kind of get like a scan of his, of his head because he had like a bullet lodged in there. And he was, he spent like six hours getting blasted by x-rays. And then the next day, like his whole face was swollen and nasty and like peeling off. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like yeah. his ears were like said that they got like 10 times the size and it was just 
but they they were able to find where the bullet was. Well, imagine a a Vidium, you know, discovering this mm-hmm. and just so excited, spending hours and mm-hmm, hours mm-hmm. just working with it. No wonder poor man died of cancer. Yeah, um, one of uh, Thomas Edison's like lab workers, he died. And it's directly linked to x-rays. Wow. So there's all these dangers. Um, yeah, but the medical utility of the new te- technology was immediately evident. Within a year, a radiology department opened up in Glasgow. They were used to find bullets embedded in you know people's bodies, observe kidney stones, look at a coin lodged in a kid's nose, and observe the consumption of food. So they were like tracking like how food moved down the digestive tract. Oh, wow. Um, so the many, many applications of x-rays were obvious. Now, also, the novelty of the technique captivated people. They were used to uh, measure feet size, to judge posture contests, and even carnival goers could get a radiograph of their body parts. Wow. So people were, like, crazy for these things. It's it's the new popular thing right now. Mm -hmm. And like any new trend, people tend to take it to really bad extremes. The difference here was that, as we just mentioned, x-rays were really harmful. And people died or people like got badly scarred and injured. Um, They were marketed for safe hair removal, for other cosmetic purposes, and basically as toys. Um, That is where the x-ray sunglasses came in? Well, those didn't produce x-rays. Those were fake things, Jonah. I know, but I wanted them so bad (laughs) as a kid. Did you write into any of like the... Like the back of comic books or something? I did, but not for the x-rays. Did you get sea monkeys? I did one time. You know, they were the made comics. by by uh, a white supremacist. Really? Yeah. He, the guy who, who came up with them was a supporter of the KKK. Oh, how terrible. Yep. Such a, like a lovely children's plaything by such an evil thing. Yep. So oh, our real is You wonderful. funded the KKK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to hell for that one. <laughs> yeah, so obviously, you know, like the misuse of x-rays led to several deaths and then lawsuits prompted the development of safety standards. Nowadays, there are, you know, several guidelines that keep it, individuals working with x-ray safe and also limit the exposure that patients can have to x-rays. And now we've come to the end of our wonderful little tale about x-rays. And before we end, Jonah, is there any insight that you want to share with us? I want my x-ray glasses. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do this, people. Let's make them. Yeah, if you donate to our website. not you... Yeah, donate to our website. We'll come up with the plan to get the x-ray glasses, glasses. going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. We'll make don't, this happen. Don't do it from a comic book and help some racist dumbass that's that's only the sea monkeys oh, okay but i think that guy's dead so you're fine you can you can order sea monkeys now okay it's fine but come to us first about our x-ray glasses yeah okay. <laughs> yeah and so we love william we love william we love william and anna she was cool anna's cool yeah she's yeah. a trooper she you know she's like oh shit what what is like, my husband wanting to do now <laughs> destroy my hand for the name of science let's yeah. do it <laughs> Yeah, so uh, once again, I want to thank everyone for listening. If you like the show, uh, you uh, you can show us that you care by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a rate and review. Uh, we really appreciate that. It helps us in the long run. And if you want to be even more amazing and help Jonah get his x-ray glasses, you can actually donate to the show by going to anchor.fm slash Bunsen Burner Pod and clicking the support this podcast button. 
you can also give us money directly to that works. Yes, I know where Mariella lives. <laughs> um, I know where you live, considering that we're <laughs> recording in <laughs> your that. house. True that. <laughs> Damn it, she knows where I sleep. Give her the money. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, if there's anything that you out there want to share with us about x-rays or if you want to tell us something cool about nikola tesla or tell us that he's hot because he is a historical hottie oh okay mm-hmm. we would love to hear jokes yeah we'd love to hear jokes about x-rays uh you can tell us how bad our german accents were um or you can suggest future episodes so feel free to reach out to us uh at our email bunsenburnerpod at gmail.com you can also find us on the internet at our website, BunstonBurnerPod.com. There you can find little blurbs about today's show, you know, learn stuff about Jonah and myself. Or you can also contact us there as well. And you can find me personally at Gatos and Tiaras on Twitter and Instagram or just search my name on Facebook. I'm sure you'll find me, hopefully. And just say hi to us. And Jonah, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? You can always email me at bakerbase at yahoo.com. That's with no E, B-A-K-R-B-A-S-S at yahoo.com. Or just type in Jonah Baker on Facebook and say hi. Um, and then as always, I want to take, uh, thank Mr. John Odway for letting us use his song Bunsen Burner as a theme for our show. He's really cool. Please go listen to his music. Yeah. So support so cool. him. Support him. Listen to his music. And keep glowing, guys. Peace. Bye. Let me be your Bunsen Burner!